Welcome back to the Combat Crevice Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sakif. Last Saturday, we had UFC fight night, Walker vs. Hill. On Google, it still says Dos Anjos vs. Pizev. So every time I look at it, I just get reminded that the fight got pushed back to April. Which, I'm still excited that it's going on, but eh, there's always a chance that it might not happen. So it makes me stressed out. These fights, like, whenever they get announced, I'm always on the edge because, like, they can get canceled at any time. Someone can get injured. Someone can pull out. And it just makes me not want to have expectations for the future. But I think I'll stick with my expectations because hope is important. And anyways, um, last weekend, Saturday, fight night, Walker vs. Hill. I'll be honest, I... It was hard for me to really enjoy the entire card, like the prelims and the main card, because I had just taken my booster shot and I felt awful. I I was fighting for my life. I could not watch most of the fights. I watched like one or two on the prelims. Thank God I was able to watch the main card. But the ones I did watch on the prelims were entertaining. Yesterday, I had rewatched some of the fights on the prelims and I'm kind of sad that I didn't pay attention because two of them, the last two on the prelims, they were finishes. Um, okay, let's start with the first fight that I saw, and it was the first fight on the card, Mario Bautista versus Jay Perrin. This was a really good fight, good back and forth. Uh, Bautista ended up winning decisively, which it made sense. He, every time... Perrin came in, he was able to counter. Every time Jay came in like with one, he hit him. Um, Bautista came in with two and four. So it was good. It was a good back and forth. Perrin had good boxing, but I feel as if he was a little bit over aggressive. And when Mario came in to attack, he didn't have good counters. And he tried initiating wrestling too much when he wasn't that proficient in wrestling. And every time they were in the clinch, Bautista just came in with the elbows, shoulder strikes, which is, which is kind of crazy. I have no idea how effective shoulder strikes are, but they seem like they kind of hurt. I know one of the very first users of shoulder strikes was Nick Diaz in like a long time ago. And people were crazy about that. And then the next time people talked about him was when Conor McGregor used them against Cowboy. And I don't really see them making like a huge entrance in the UFC for all fighters to use. Because really, like, how much damage can the shoulder do? Like, yeah, it's annoying. And like, maybe while you're in the clinch, it can allow that your opponent's head to move wherever you want it to because they don't want to get hit. But... I'm still questioning the effectiveness. But in the clinch, Batista had great elbows. And that's the difference between the both of them. They're the same age. I'd say probably maybe Batista has a little bit more experience in the UFC because his UFC debut was against Corey Sandhagen, who is one of my favorite fighters and potentially could be one of the next champions. Corey Sandhagen has one of the most interesting styles ever he's so evasive and 
he can cut angles so well. And if you chase him, you're gonna. Because as soon as you try going too far forward, he'll come at you with a flying knee and you'll get knocked out. But yeah, Mario Bautista, he's a more creative striker, better wrestler, and he he has a he has potential. He definitely will make his mark in the Bantamweight division as deep as it is. But yeah. And then the next fight I remember watching on the prelims was Chaz Skelly versus Mark Striegel. The difference between both of the, these guys' bodies is was like comically, like comically funny. Like one was a ripped guy, super ripped, looked like he was out of like a bodybuilder competition, and the other guy just looked like a blob. And guess who won? The blob. And and Chaz Kelly, the blob, he dominated in wrestling, and Mark Striegel underestimated his striking. So as soon as Mark got complacent, Chaz came in with his striking and knocked him out. And that was Chaz's last fight. He's kind of old. He was talking about that his body can't keep up with his mixed martial arts training anymore and that he just wants to do grappling, which good for him, but it's kind of hard to make money from just grappling nowadays. Like, I guess maybe the WWE, but that's not real. Like, you can't really, like, wrestle. It's all about just, like, flipping and stuff, and you got to have, like, a good story. I don't know. I don't understand the WWE. Today in my speech uh, that I gave for my class, I talked about UFC fighter pay. And then my teacher asked me a question about how, what's like the difference between like UFC fighters and like WWE fighters. And I was like, there's a complete, like there's so much different about the both of them. WWE fighters, they're actors. They're not actual fighters. They get paid to perform. They get paid to act. And UFC fighters, they actually like compete in a sport and have to earn their way up. And I don't know. I, I didn't get to tell them, like, all of that I thought, because, you know, I can't do that to the teacher, but I, that made me mad. Um, But Chaz Skelly, he can go to submission grappling. Um, He can do jiu-jitsu tournaments. He has a roofing business, which I don't know how lucrative that is, but perhaps... That'll be good for him. But I hope for the best for him. Uh, the two fights that I missed, Jessica Rose Clark versus Stephanie Egger and Gabriel Benitez versus David Omana. Um, for the Jessica Rose Clark versus Stephanie Egger, I rewatched it and Jessica came in for the clinch almost immediately. There were no strikes thrown. She just came in and hugged Egger, which I'm kind of confused because, like, when she was walking out, the commentators were talking about how she used to be a powerlifter and then she discovered kickboxing and then she fell in love with it. But where is the kickboxing? Like, any good kickboxer would, you know, kickbox and stay at range and figure out their opponent with striking but nope she decided to like grapple with a judo like black belt which is crazy 
like Stephanie Egger is like she's from Switzerland and I don't know how many people do judo there but the commentator said that she was one of the best in that country which is kind of scary if you're grappling with her and it showed because when Jessica went for the clinch she was there she couldn't do anything with Egger and then Egger found the right moment to trip Jessica and once she she got tripped she put Jessica in an armbar and that armbar was tight so it ended in the first round the next fight was Gabriel Benitez versus David Omana Onama sorry um this also ended in the first round and Gabriel Benitez was piecing Onama up the entire time like body shots, headshots, good leg kicks. The commentators were talking about how he has one of the most powerful kicks in his gym, more powerful than some of the heavyweights. And this guy is at 145. And he was just piecing Onama up the entire time. Onama didn't have an answer. Benitez just pressured him the entire, almost the entire time. But once that pressuring got reversed and David Onama was cornering Gabriel Benitez in the against the fence. He just unloaded and then it was like an eleven strike combo. And Benitez just fell to the ground at the end of the round. And it was crazy to watch because Onama didn't throw that much throughout the round, but once he did, he proved everyone he proved to everyone that he could like stick with the top tier strikers. David Onama is also like five eleven which is crazy for featherweight because that's 145. Like, I have no idea how he makes weight. But he doesn't look that, like, heavy. He looks kind of skinny, but still, that's a lot of weight to cut. Uh, okay, let's move on to the main card. The first fight on the main card was Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And these boys left it all out there. After the fight they were just laying down on the canvas because they were so tired. And I could honestly relate. After practice, sometimes it's just, you just want to lay down and not move. And you're just so tired and defeated that just the thought of like resting is like heaven to you. And to these guys, like I can't imagine what it's like to be a fighter and like just like leaving it all out there. And then ending up winning. Because that must feel so good. Joaquin Buckley won by split decision, which it makes sense because Abdul, in the third round, he was coming back. He was out grappling Joaquin. And Joaquin didn't have an answer in the third round because he was so gassed out. But he ended up pulling through. Um, Joaquin, he's kind of a mysterious... Not mysterious, but we don't really know what's going to happen with him because he came out uh, at the start of his career. He lost to Kevin Holland. He got knocked out. But then in his next fight, he has he had one of like the most spectacular knockouts of all time. Like it's shown so many times. I can't even tell you how many si- how many times I've seen this knockout. It's just ingrained in my memory, and. After that, he had another win, but then he kept losing and losing. And now he's 
back on a win, but his performance hasn't been consistent. And really, to like generate hype for himself, he teamed up with, uh, I think it's called like Urban Survival something. But there's like a meme with this guy, and he trains like self defense, but the self defense is so bad that like it's funny. Like the guy, he's like he has a gun pointed to him, and like he like do this to make sure the guy doesn't shoot you, and he moves the gun in slow motion, even though like the shooter could shoot him like almost immediately. That guy, and he like Joaquin Buckley like teamed up with him to gain clout, and. If he had lost this fight, then everyone would have clowned on him. Rightfully so. And I'm not sure what he's doing, but I hope he keeps like learning and doing well. He's kind of bit he's kind of small for middleweight. He's kind of short. Yeah, he's like big, like strong and like muscly, but I don't think he is the right body type for middleweight, especially if his wrestling ba- is bad. Because Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier did uh, a double champ, light heavyweight and heavyweight, was 5'11". And the reason why he was so successful was because he had such good wrestling that size didn't matter. Yeah, he weighed about the same as light heavyweights and heavyweights, but he was shorter. And sometimes, like, versus John Jones, he got pieced up. But when he's able to wrestle you, you're done. And Joaquin doesn't have that. So I would advise him to maybe eat a little less, go for a run, lose some pounds. 170 seems good. If not, go even... Actually, no. 155 may be too much for him. I'd say 170. If the UFC made a 165 division, then maybe. But if not, 170 is good for him. Now the next fight on the main card was Jim Le- Jim Miller versus Nicholas Mata. Um, Jim Miller has thirty nine fights in the UFC total, and like I don't know, like fifty plus in like general, which is crazy to me. No one has that many fights. He has he's the record holder for the most fights in the UFC, and he still wants to compete. Like he's not going to stop anytime soon, and. I'd love to see that. And yeah, they probably shouldn't put him up against like high level competition, like a contender, which they didn't in this fight. And he did well. He won by knockout. But they they put him up against a guy who was making his UFC debut. And honestly, what did you expect? Like 39 fights in the UFC versus just, I mean, I guess zero but one fight in the UFC, like obviously Jim Miller's gonna win. Like, there's always a chance like Nicholas Mata was gonna pull through, but it just didn't make sense. If MMA math is real, then Jim Miller would have won almost 100 percent of the time. Um. Uh in his next fight, it, it'll be his like 40th UFC fight. Let's make it on a pay-per-view card. Let's make it with a crowd. If it's his last fight ever, then it should be a banger. Like, it should, he should go out with a bang. And hopefully, maybe even with a bonus.
Now the third fight on the main event and the main card was Parker Porter versus Alan Badu. Um, I'll be honest, this was kind of a snoozer. Parker Porter out-wrestled his opponent the entire time, and he got the decision, which was good for him. And, like, grappling can be exciting sometimes, but this time it was just... It was just two big guys, like, hugging each other and trying to get each other to the ground. And I know I shouldn't think this way, but when it's a heavyweight fight, I just want to see swinging and banging. I just want to see fists flying. Because... What's so special about heavyweight fights? It's that it can end almost instantly with a knockout. And I want to see that. Now the co-main event was Kyle Dawkins versus Jamie Pickett. Kyle Dawkins is a beast. Like, if he keeps doing what he's doing and he keeps improving, then I see him as like a serious prospect in the division, in the middleweight division. He beat Kevin Holland, like, by submission. And I know that fight was turned into a no contest because they ended up headbutting, which made Kevin Holland lose the fight. But I would have, I probably would have uh, bet on Kyle anyways to win that fight because he's got heart. He can't, he hasn't been knocked out yet. Um, he's a good chin. He has good striking, good grappling. And, Especially in this fight, he showcased his grappling against Jamie Pickett. In the first round, Kyle timed everything right. Jamie was aggressive. And then as soon as Jamie tried to counter from one of Kyle's strikes, Kyle timed a perfect takedown and then got him down and then put him in a darts choke. And there was one second left on the clock before Jamie Pickett tapped. If he had just waited one more second, he would have been fine. And I'm not sure why his corner didn't tell him, like, how much time there there was left on the clock. Like, if they told him, like, 10 seconds or 30 seconds, like, he would have known not to, like, give up. Because he could have gone for another, like, another round. And I don't know, hypothetically, it, like, maybe the chances were less. But he could have still won. But he gave up at the very end of the first round, which... Unfortunate to him, but great for Kyle Dacus. Now the last fight, the main event. Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill. I was expecting fireworks, and I got fireworks. Johnny Walker is one of the most insane and exciting fighters I have ever seen. He's so insane that he, after he knocked a dude out, he got injured by his post-fight like celebration by doing like the worm and it's crazy because he's so unpredictable he waits for you to strike but that's part of his downfall is that he sometimes relies on that too much he relies on his, relies on his instinct too much and Jamal Hill has great technique good timing but also he it's hard to explain what he does, but he does what Johnny Walker does, but in a less, uh, I'd say crazy, less um, sporadic way. More, it's more controlled crazy than Johnny Walker, and that's what and it, that's what led to Jamal Hill winning that fight. It was competitive, and 
They went back and forth. Johnny was hitting Jamal on the outside while he was backing up. And Jamal couldn't really re- like get the reach, right? But then he ended up cornering Johnny. And with that corner, Johnny tried to throw a left hand, I'm pretty sure. And then quickly, Jamal Hill came in with an overhand right and knocked Johnny out stiff. Like, it was so... It looked fake. Like, the knockout looked fake. I thought Johnny was just, like, pretending to be knocked out. Because, you know, I expect that from him. I expect him to fake his knockouts. Or not fake his knockouts. Or fake being hurt just to, like, make his opponent, like, come in and then he can hit him with something. But that's not the case. Johnny Walker literally, like, stood up straight. Like, all of his joints locked. Like, rigor mortis. As soon as he got hit, and he fell flat to the ground. And he got hit twice, which kind of sucks, but it's kind of crazy how strong Jamal Hill is. And he's ranked number 10 now, I think. Um, I'd like to see him fight mm, probably Dominic Reyes. Last time Dominic Reyes fought, he fought Yuri Prohaska, who's going to fight for the title next. And... Dominic Reyes got knocked out cold and it's kind of bad to really throw him in with Jamal Hill because he's also like scary but it'll be a good test for Dominic Reyes because if he wins it'll show that he's still with the division and he's still a contender if not then he has a very big chance of getting cut um. Okay, let's move on to the predictions for the next fight card. It's going to be next week, February 26th, and it's going to be Makashev versus Bobby Green. Islam Makashev versus Bobby Green. It was originally going to be Islam Makashev versus Benil Dariush, but Benil had to pull out because of an injury. And I'm still sad about that because it was going to be a really good fight to figure out who is the number one contender after Justin, before, uh, yeah, after Justin Gaethje. But sometimes we don't get what we want. But I I still have high hopes for this one because Bobby Green is a scrapper. I love his striking style. He has this hybrid. Um, I talked about this in the last podcast. He has like a hybrid uh, Philly shell style where he keeps his hands down. And I don't think Islam's ready for his striking. Unless he can get him to the ground, Bobby's got him on the feet regardless and Bobby, he did high school wrestling, I'm pretty sure. So maybe he'll have a good ground game. I don't know. It hasn't really been tested that much recently. So if the fight is on the feet, Bobby Green for sure. But as soon as it gets on the ground, there's no guarantee that Bobby's going to get out. I'll be on the edge of my seat for that fight. The rest of the card... um, I don't really know. I don't know that many fighters on that card. I see Armin Sarukian, who is, I remember he fought Islam Makhachev. He went toe-to-toe with him, and he even, like, wrestled him a little bit, which is crazy because no one wrestles like a Dagestani wrestler. But Armin had the balls to do it, and he did pretty well. And sometimes I go back on that fight because it's still free on YouTube, I hope. It was when I watched it last, but 
every time I watch it, it's just so exciting. Like I just notice something I haven't before. And the wrestling, it's not boring. It's like so intricate, so detailed, and so fast and quick that it's entertaining. Um, other than that, there aren't that many fights on the next fight card that I'm excited about. But regardless of that, I'll watch it. And I hope you do too. And that's the end of my podcast. I hope you have a nice day. Thank you for listening.